This is No Call, No Show. Hi, I am Taylor Ray. I'm Ricky. This is a bi-weekly podcast hosted by two women of color bartenders addressing what we believe are the real issues of the hospitality industry. How was um, your week? It was good. It was good. We had Fuerza Latina. Yes. At Diamond Reef, which was mm-hmm. awesome. Um, the last time I did the event, it was just me and two other bartenders. Um, and it was at Vaughn for going up. So organizing um, 10 other women, like 10 other women bartenders. Um, just 10 other bartenders who have conflicting schedules and like other things going on was so much more work than I anticipated. But it was really successful. We had a great turnout. Everyone really liked the drinks, which I was really excited about. Because I feel like sometimes with those kind of events, you just pump out drinks that could be better. Um, and it was lit. No, we you did raised, great. We raised $2,000. Mm. That's amazing. Which I think was awesome. It was so packed. You did a good job. Yeah. I've never seen was... Diamond Reef that busy. I know. And it's a, and if you go to Diamond Reef, it's like a big space. Mm-hmm. And we were like four deep. I was like, fuck. But... Um, it was really, really good, and all the girls, um, worked really hard, and, you know, when you're behind it, like, a bar, it's not your bar, so you have to, like, get accustomed and acquainted with, um, what? The train is so loud. Oh, yeah, we live by a train, New York (laughs) City, that's just how shit is. Um, but, yeah, considering that they had never been behind that bar before, and they worked really hard, and... Raised a bunch of money and um, Collective was really happy with us and good. Yeah, it was good. How was your week? Mm-hmm. It was good. I worked a lot. Um, just sore. Yeah. <laughs> and tired, but happy. So I guess is all that matters, really. Right. Did you, yeah. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Summer. Summer's coming up, so you know. <sighs> yep. Those shifts are gonna get harder. Mm-hmm. Are Every outdoor Saturday. Shifts, outdoor shifts easier than indoor shifts. Nope. They both, they're both equally as ridiculous. People just come in and they flood the entire space. It doesn't matter where they go. They're just, they're everywhere. Like by 2 p.m. I can't see anything. Fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't see the back wall. I can't see anyone besides the person in front of me. All right. Yeah. So well, I'm sore, but I'm good. Good, good. Yeah. Tea? Let's start it. All right. Um, you want me to go first? Yeah. This is a Long okay. Island iced tea segment. Yes, mine's more of an informative one um, based on an announcement we're going to have later, something that's coming up soon. Um, last year, I went to an event called She Bacardi, where it's a kind of like a convention for women in the industry to learn about things and talk to other women that are higher up um, to build their careers. So there was one part that I really liked um, from the financial gym. And they gave us all an offer to go for, like, the first month free. I took them up on it maybe six months later. And I just think that now, because it's, like, the end of tax season and we're all getting our returns and it's, like, a big deal, we need to, as bartenders and women, maybe take our money and do something with it, put it somewhere, invest it, plan for our future. Um, When I turned 30 this year, it was, like, a big deal for me financially about what I'm doing and where I'm going. So I started going to the financial gym through Sheba Cardi, took the first month free and then ended up going for two months later um, just to focus on 
what I want to do. They ask you questions about your entire life. Um, it gets really personal, but it's for a reason. Like, do you want a dog? Do you have a boyfriend? Do you, are you single? Do you want to freeze your eggs? All these things. So you have different accounts and different savings for these things in your future. And I just wanted to bring it up because it's really changed my life and highlighted things for me I never would think about. And now I feel much more secure. And I've never felt secure financially ever in this industry because it's come and go. I have this money today. I can spend it all and make it back tomorrow. That's not healthy. Um, You know, it's very hard for me to get out of that mindset. So I just wanted to shout them out. Um, I'll, I'll try to put a link somewhere on our Instagram for everyone to visit them, but it's changed my life a lot. Um, and I think we could all benefit from it. I'm not sure if they're going to be at Sheba Cardi again this year, but it'd be great if they were. Cool. So um, yeah. I'll do the info. Yeah, we'll get the info out there. But I just wanted to say that because I know a lot of us stress out about money. A lot of the times, like anything can happen. You lose your job or you could lose your apartment and then you don't have anything to fall back on. They can help you with that. Yeah, I remember when you first started doing it, you're saying you were putting money away for savings, you were putting you were investing, you were putting money away for Riley, you were putting money away Riley's uh, her little sister. Mm-hmm. Um and just <laughs> thinking about all of the different parts of my life. Parts of your life and saying, "Okay, I'm putting this away, putting this away." It could literally be $5 a week that you put into something that could be bigger. Yeah. But it makes a difference. And it's scary when you don't have someone to help you set that up I get very shook off thinking about having to open up maybe like multiple savings accounts for different reasons it it seems stressful but they help you with it that's literally what they're there for so when I went in I was like how many what am I going to open up like what exactly is it you know but they sort it in a way that it makes sense so like say I needed to dip into one account for traveling that I didn't know how to do like say your brand is like we want you to go here do this work you have to cover your flight and you're like all right do I have to worry about getting my paycheck before I can get that flight or do I just have it already mm-hmm. in another account so it doesn't make things easier um how long have you been using it since last May I want to say almost a year awesome yeah you feel good I feel great about it I feel really secure for the first time in my life um about my that part you know I don't really yeah and I think also when you you have these um outside sources of of anxiety and stress that you may be aware or unaware of that are affecting your life and so I don't necessarily say when I think about my anxiety I don't go okay I haven't opened up a savings account Mm mm-hmm so that's where my source of anxiety is coming from. But it could be like underlining, oh, you yeah. know, and, and kind of under the surface. And until you address it, um, and then you realize, whoa, why do I feel like lighter? And it's because you address something that you think. It's um, like one less thing to worry about. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I just think that it would benefit everyone. They are the called, people that work there are great. They're called? The Financial Gym. The Financial Gym. I'll put their info either in a post or in our bio. Probably in our in a post because the bio doesn't have enough space. I know. I only have to figure that out. Post. Okay. In a post. post. Yep. Um. <laughs> what about you? What's your tea? 
My tea is something that happened to me um, at one of my bars, and it was literally last, like, the minutes of last call where a bartender is so mentally ready for the for that portion of their night to be over and where everyone else is not um <laughs> they're like let's fucking go and they're you're like, like let's fucking go they're home. like last call <laughs> let me order another drink and just try to slam it in 15 minutes and i'm just like you know this is not gonna be good for you and Mm-mm. also because the one of the bars i work at is not a 4 a.m. bar. So I really, I don't understand people's anxiety when there's so many, like across the street, there's a bar, a bar literally across the street where you can go to that's open till four. So you don't even have to worry about it being your I last like drink. yours, that's why. Because, <laughs> yeah. Um. So this situation happened to me and it, it affected me and it's still affecting me. Um. Where it was literally last last calls at one thirty, and I had a group of white women who were intoxicated, and they were brand ambassadors. So they were friends of the house. Um, they're not my friends, but they're friends of the house. Um, I feel like I'm gonna open up a bar called Friends of the House. Um, oh, trademark that for someone steals it real quick. Cause you um, know we're gonna have steal to uh, nobody steal that. Nobody steal that shit because it's documented. Okay. <laughs> Um, (laughs) um, and then we had, um, so there was, there was a group, right? And then there was these two black guys, like right next to them. Um, now these girls had been there. She, they basically did like, uh, an open to close. Like they came in, it was one of those things, you know, and open to close, like from five, from five to one, that's a, that's a shift. That's a, that's a shift. And so by the end of it, they were obviously coherent. They were coherent, but where weren't they were? They, okay. I mean, you could talk to them, right? Like okay. they weren't like uh, they weren't like nodding off, but they were they were they were drunk. So I am closing out my well, and I'm like going for a power close. I'm not trying to look. I like I'm like say this is last call, and then. I hear them arguing and bickering, kind of. Mm-mm. And I can't hear what's exactly being said. So I can't tell you what the scenario was. And I almost wish I would have had that. Because then yeah. I would have been able to choose sides easier. Mm-hmm. But they're, the one of the women are talking to the, the... Like, one of this man... The man and woman are talking. And he's just saying, like, I'm just trying to get me a drink. I'm just trying to order a drink. And she's like, you're being fucking... Like, you're, like she just was like cursing at him and yelling at him and kind of saying like he's being he was being really rude Mm -hmm. and so immediately i'm just trying i try to diffuse the situation and i'm and i was like hey guys listen it was last call already but i'm gonna buy everybody a shot if you want one and i would really just love it if we could all take this together and then not talk to each other after that i said you guys have 15 minutes 50, about 20 minutes before we close and there's whatever whatever's going on it has to stop and you know i think you guys you guys need to just stop talking to each other right now um because you guys are gonna be out the door in a couple minutes anyway like i was like it's last call yeah so it doesn't matter it just... doesn't matter whatever's <laughs> happening it just we have to stop you know and she was like uh she just was like one of the women was just like really upset and she kept on she was like right girl right and i was just like Okay, 
she was like, right, girl? And I was like, <laughs> and I was like what? It's so again, I didn't really, again, this, the scenario was happening, like, if, if you were, you know, one deep, two deep, like, let's say the two deep line. So I couldn't hear what was happening. And he was like, I'm just trying to get me a drink. Can I just get a drink? And I saw, and then I was like, okay, here, here's everyone's drink. I was like, here are the shots. And I was like, what can I get you to drink? Because I wanted to address what he was trying. Because he realized it was last call, like, two minutes too late. And he just wanted to get his call. And he just wanted to get his, his drink. So, um, then they kind of got into it again. And I was like, listen. So I pull him to the side. Now, but he's getting aggressive. He's, like, 6'2". And she's also pretty tall. But they're close enough where, like, he's looking down and she's looking up. And they're oh, no. as close as one would be if you were to, with someone. Like, they were really close. And I was like, eh, 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 eh. I pull him to the side. And I'm like, listen, I don't know what the fuck is going on right now, but it's got to stop. And he's like, she, there, he's like, I'm just trying to get a drink. They're drunk and they're being nasty. And I'm not, I'm not with it. Like, I'm not with the shits right now. I don't want to deal. Like, I don't want to deal with it. I'm sick of dealing with drunk white women. And... I was like, I hear you. And he's like, and to them, I'm just, I'm just a, an aggressive black man. And I was like, I understand. I hear you and I acknowledge you, but you're being aggressive in the sense of just a man. Like these are a group of women, you're being aggressive. And at the end of the day, when you think, when, when someone's going to say what happened the scenario and they hear your voice projecting, they're going to say he's being the aggressor. He's, 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 you know, because you're a man of, that's the stature of 6'3", and you're yelling at these women. Like, whether you're right or wrong, you just have to realize. Like, I didn't, I didn't get to all of that. I was just like, I hear you, I understand you, but you're a man, and you cannot be that aggressive in this situation, and I understand that you're upset. And I was like, I'm sorry, I got your drink, but I need you to just walk away from the bar. I need you to walk away from these girls. I really didn't. Just walk away from them. Like, I understand that they're being nasty, and I understand that they're being, you know catty and and dumb and drunk and for me I had to you know I closed out and what I was what I wanted to bring up with you was as a woman of color you have let's say like a scenario or what would you do in the scenario where a a woman it was the scenario where there's like woman to woman even though she's white but she wants to exchange that woman to we're woman to woman you should be on my side and then you have a black man or a man of color who's like, but we're, a, but we are like both of color. And it put me in a situation where I had to think about in the sense of, you know, the problem is the problem. So there's a wrong and a right. Right. So you always want to delve back into the, the who is right and who's wrong in this particular issue. But just being in that predicament, I was like, hmm, I really have to think about this. Like who I side with. And I was like, I usually side with. A person of color, mm-hmm. even if they're a male, but I have to acknowledge that that like inner like woman to womanness is something very real that I've experienced as well. Of course, and having that unspoken like we're here, mm-hmm. I've had that unspoken like acknowledgement from woman to woman and a person of color to a person of color. I both had that like okay, we're we're eye to eye. Mm-hmm. So I was just wondering, have you ever been in a situation I like think, that? I think I think for us. As bartenders, when we're seeing a lot of what's going on on the other side of our bar, it's very easy for us to pick up on the bullshit and who started it, who was right, who was wrong. Uh, we're we're part-time babysitters. Mm-hmm. So for me, especially where I work, I, I try to look at the situation and kind of gauge who started it. And if you started it, you're going to get a little bit of time out. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to serve you last because 
if I see this guy's over here and you're nudging him and you're looking at him like he's crazy or vice versa, like both of you should stop. I still yeah. want to make my money. However, I can tell who who's right and who's wrong right now. Yeah. Um. So with things like that for me, especially because where I work, there there's very few people of color that come through. And when they do, I had a situation last week where where there was a regular that sits in my bar and he is a black older black man. He comes every week. He takes care of us all. Um, and he was sitting in a secluded room that's still at my bar. The, the bar is huge. And he was watching golf. And all these these white guys came in and they were kind of nudging him out of the way to order. And he was like, hey, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to like watch um just trying to watch the game right now. And they're like, we're trying to get a beer. And they're like nudging him with their with their elbows out the way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I walked over and I was like, I don't care what you guys need. There's someone here watching the game and you're nudging him out of the way. So whatever you need, you can step off yeah. or you can go to around the bar somewhere else. It was a thing where I walked in the middle of it, but I already knew who was the aggressor. Yeah, I think what happened was with my scenario, because the women were friends of the house, I was I was like basically told, yeah, they're drunk, but they're they're friends of the house. So you have to treat them differently. So you have so we're going to, you know, and I was like, but they're but they're but they're they're, wait, they're being rude. They're being rude and they're drunk. Like, That's you know, fair. it's not. So I was just thinking like those are those are things that I would like to definitely and another thing is you want to keep patrons that aren't in the industry coming back to the bar yeah they're going to come back regardless because you know they've got a corporate card to swipe exactly this person doesn't so you want to make sure they're taken care of ultimately first and that's something they should understand i know they were drunk but they should understand that as well yeah i think that's why i pulled him over to the side is because i wanted him to know that i heard him not only did i hear what he was saying but i acknowledged his feelings and he just he's just said it. He's like, yeah, but I look like the aggress like the aggressive. That's how black you keep man. a customer, though. Or and I was guest, like, listen, I understand. That's how you keep someone. The only thing that we can do right now, since there's not even that much time left that we're here, is just, do you mind just standing four seats to the le- like to the left? Yeah. Don't even look at them. Don't even mind them. Enjoy your night and don't let some like these drunk women like. Sometimes you just have to talk to, you just have to talk about it a little bit and it makes the world of a difference. There's been times where there's been guests who have frustrated me, but once I talk to them about what frustrated me, it just goes away and we have an understanding and that's all right. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm interested to, you know, experience and be put in that place more so I can figure out what those things mean to me and how they navigate. It was just something that still I'm like working through and figuring out, um, as a woman of color and, and like choosing side, like people of color versus like just women and kind of navigating yeah. through that. I mean, the choosing of sides, I understand, but like when it comes to confrontations like that, it's like, who was wrong here? And no, and that's the thing. I didn't know what the problem was. It yeah, was really you, hard. You, sometimes you arrive at the middle and you're just like, I was just like, what is going yeah. on? <laughs> what is the problem? What here? is the problem? I'm like, you we're like be burning ice. <laughs> I'm burning ice. There should be no problems at this point. That part, too. It's like, y'all are both going to get a shot or a beer. So. <laughs> Pick one. Y'all want to have a shot together and you can get the fuck out? Okay, bet. Yeah. I, I just, it was something that happened to me that I think that I thought about and I wanted to be vocal about that. Because no, it, I get that. Because. Too often you're just like, oh, you know. You don't even I'm know. I'm not going to take, I'm just going to take the woman's side because she's a woman and not realize that, like, 
what and he was able to express himself and and he wasn't drunk and he was able mm-hmm. to just like say what was like what it was and i was it's, like okay. you know what i had this i'm gonna bring this up real quick i had a situation last week where this is a wild situation though and i was already fed up it was like the probably 5 p.m on a saturday and we get slammed at, at like w- we get slammed at one the shit starts at one so it was 5 p.m i was covering service for a second these three girls wave me over i go over they order three drinks and then there was a guy behind them that was like with them but behind them and she points to him next and he's like i'll have this and my family will have this bet i make them i bring it over the girls had disappeared i present him with the i'm like you want to open it or close the tab gives me his card I close it out. It's declined. I come over. I'm like, yo, you have another card? Not a big deal. Gives me his card. That one works. Come back. He sees his bill and he's like, it's $70. I'm like, yeah, you ordered five drinks. He goes, no, just for me and him. I'm like, so those girls that ordered you and your friend's drinks are not with you. He goes, no, they're not with us. So I'm like, I don't believe you. First of all. She just was like re- the representative of the... of. of- I'm like, I don't believe you because y'all were talking when I got over to you. Mm-hmm. You... Y'all came together. I'm not. He's like, I'm not paying for their drinks. I'm like, well, you better, fi- you better find them then and ask them to Venmo you, because I'm not doing it. And at that moment, I took their side. I took. That's when I took the women's side because I was like, listen, you had them order your drinks, and then they walked away. You should have held them accountable. They walked away. Mm. Give me your card and pay. Mm-hmm. So then he comes back up, complains more. At this point, I'm so fed up. I leave the bar. I'm like, all right, bet, stay right there. I'll go find them. You found them? I found them. What happened? I asked them. And they're like, no, he said order what we want. And he got it. Now. So, so then I grabbed the GM and I'm like, I can't handle this. We're too busy. This is what was told to me. I'm out. What was this? Did you ever find out what happened? Yeah, he paid for them. Yeah. And, we, and then the GM gave them a free shot. But I was just like, this is what I mean. I'm not. I'm not here to pick sides. I'm not here for the bullshit. Give me my money <laughs> and go away. Uh, Don't have these girls order your drinks for you. Because on a, on a Saturday well, they're better at, getting at 5 p.m. Than, than and there's so five they... of y'all and she orders all five of your drinks and then you hand me a card, I'm charging you for all five of them. Yeah. That's on you. Yeah. I literally remember saying, figure it out. And I walked away and I was like, mm. Yeah. I had a situation last week too where it was... It was a guy went to order drinks um, for his friend, right? He orders the drinks. He goes to the bathroom. He goes to the bathroom. His friend orders drinks because he didn't know his friend would order, like the guy who went to the bathroom ordered drinks. So he orders drinks. I make all the drinks. He comes back from the bathroom. He's like, why we got four drinks? I was like, yo, honestly, he's like, didn't you see I was just with one person? I was like, I don't know who you're with. I don't know if there's a big group of you over there. I don't know, like, why you're ordering all these drinks. Like, I can't, I can't, you can't be accountable for how many people order. I also cannot see. Split the, split <laughs> the you bill in make, I'm making, and then yeah. you're gonna pay for it. That's how this works. Mauler, the story is, person, the problem, not the person, but, you know. No, you happen. have to just gauge it. You have to look at the situation, use your judgment, and be like, listen, you're wrong here, and you're right, or I'm right, or you're like you'd have to just figure, figure out, out who's, who's right, right, who's wrong, and then <laughs> diffuse it. Yeah, because these things are gonna happen, and we have to be judge Judy about it. And it's great; it's a great part of the job, to be honest. <laughs> Being judge Judy. Hell yeah! All right, bet. <laughs> <laughs>
Amorcito sonriente entraste sin advertirme Pero no importa ya Tenemos nuevas historias que contar Amanecimos bien contentos Ahora vamos a dormirnos sin dudar De amor ahorita Cuando me dices te amo Quiero ver esa sonrisa En mi cama al amanecer Profundo como el mar And this week we have The Darling Yes This person, by the way, I've wanted We wanted is on, on the list From day one yes. Day one on the list Okay, mm-hmm. This is the first Our first Um Interview segment that we're doing with a man. Um, ew. Ew, ew, <laughs> ain't he fun? His name is Jackie Summers. What's Welcome. up, y'all? What's up, what's Welcome up? to our Thanks. show. Thank you for being here. Honored. Yes. Thank you. We were, when we when we were considering who our first male guest was going to be, I was like, Jackie. Mm-hmm. We were like, obviously. You were on like, the master list. But we wanted, us, you know, we were, we wanted to kind of diversify our interviews mm-hmm. um and we were very particular about who we wanted our first male guest to be and that was you thank it, you it's all downhill from here you know <laughs> don't say that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um thank you for coming yes and hell yeah i can't thank you enough for being here tonight on what is it thursday thursday night it's a thursday night <laughs> that rum punch is kicking in Bitch, I had a day. <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, so, Jackie, I just want you to, you know, introduce yourself. Even though we just introduced you, and um, tell us a bit about um, how you got to where you are, where you are now, and how you got there. Long or short version. Let's just stick with the medium. In 2010, I had a cancer scare. My doctor found a golf ball sized tumor inside my spine and he said, you're probably going to die. And if you leave, you're probably going to be paralyzed. You should organize your paperwork. Uh, I lived. And you not only just live, but what the fuck? This is like a superhero. (laughs) But, But here's the thing, right? You go through that and I had to face the question most people spend their whole lives avoiding. And the question is, if you knew for a fact today was your last day on earth, how would you spend it? Mm-hmm. Would you go home and make love with your partner one last time? Would you play with your dog? Would you call your mom? Would you rob a bank? Would you settle an old feud? Mm-hmm. Like, I know for a fact what I will be doing on my last day on earth because I, I designed my entire life around it. Mm-hmm. My last day on earth, I will be day drinking. I'm going to be around cool ass people in the middle of the day, Mm -hmm. in the middle of the week, having good food and enjoying good booze and talking about things that matter and monetizing that shit. So I survived this cancer scare and I thought to myself, why would anyone pay me to day drink? (laughs) I'm going to launch a liquor brand. Yes. And so I took this recipe that I was making in my kitchen. I had no money. I had no experience as a food chemist. I had no experience in hospitality. 
And I had no idea how hard it was to launch a liquor brand. Yeah. And I launched this brand out of my kitchen and like five stars, Paul Packold, five plus Simon Difford, New York Times calls it Christmas in a bottle. Yes, uh, Christmas in a bottle. Let's the go. Star Magazine puts it on the celebrity page. They call it Caribbean Sunshine in a Bottle. But here yes. was the thing. What I didn't know at the time and what I couldn't have known was when I got my liquor license in 2012, I was the only black person in America with a license to make liquor. Stop. Handful of brewmasters, handful of wine masters, handful of people who either had a contract bottling situation or... Uh, input license, but an actual license to make liquor, I was Tigger. I was, the only, I, was, <laughs> I was the only one. You were the only one. And why do you think that is? Because there are systemic barriers that make the entrance to, to market pretty much impossible. And I'm just too dumb to know what I can't do. No, that's not. No, that's that's entirely the truth. Wow. But here's, here's the thing, though, right? The year I got my license was the year that Trayvon Martin was murdered. And it hit me in ways I wasn't expecting. Mm. And I was out there drinking and having a good time and making money with people. And I realized a bunch of the people I was associated with were fucking racist. I can curse, right? Yeah. Yo, fucking racist. Mm -hmm. And I had a choice. It was, well, I can keep my mouth shut and sell as much booze as possible or I could have some fucking integrity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I decided that I couldn't keep my mouth shut about it. Mm-hmm. So what yeah. I started to do is I started to teach people about racism. And when you teach people about racism, what you tell them is it's not enough for you to not be racist. Mm-hmm. You have to be actively anti-racist because you mm-hmm. exist in a system that's benefiting you to the detriment of others. And unless you are actively trying to dismantle it, you're benefiting from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I had that realization, I thought to myself, huh, how am I doing with my anti-misogyny? Because I didn't think of myself as sexist, mm-hmm. but I wasn't actually doing anything to help dismantle a patriarchy that benefits me to the, to the detriment of women. Mm-hmm. And once you have that realization, you go, oh, well, what else, what other privilege do I have that I'm blind to? Yeah. Ableism, homophobia, anti-Semitism, anti-Islamic uh, sentiments. Mm-hmm. It, it, it makes you aware of the entire Everything. spectrum mm-hmm. of uh, oppression and privilege. And so these days, uh, I still love selling alcohol, but most of my time is focused on educating our industry about inclusion and diversity and equity. Mm-hmm. And what, and once, so you launched your liquor brand in what year? 2012. 2012. And when did you make that shift? 2012. 2012. Same yeah. Year. Same year. So, no, I'm saying, when did you make the shift from realizing that the people that you were working with were racist? And that you wanted to change directions. And what did that mean for your liquor brand and and the consumption of it or the sales or all that stuff? It's a joke I tell people nowadays. And I I try to avoid joking about it because oppression isn't funny. But when I talk to people nowadays, I ask them who's been to a zoo. 
right? Who's actually seen a lion in person? Who's seen a tiger in person? Who's seen a bear in person? And then I ask, who's been, who's seen an, a black liquor brand owner in person? And it goes dead silent. And I realized that every single time I stepped into a car to do a work with, every time I saw the, every time I taught a sales team, every bar I ever stepped into, every restaurant I ever stepped into, every hotel I ever set foot in, every time I sat with a distributor, every time I was in uh, the boardroom negotiating a contract, the people I was talking to had more lived experience with lions, tigers, and bears wow. than with a black liquor brand owner. Mm-hmm. So it was like, huh, I won't really want to sell liquor, but I kind of have to teach people that they're, yeah. the, the, this is a system that is designed to disadvantage me. And the only way the system gets better is if, if I take a stance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was almost, I had maybe three or four months of kind of being oblivious to it. And then it was like, I got to do something about this it, shit. It was, yeah, mm-hmm. you had to, yeah. And what were your first, some of your first, um, where did you start writing? Did you start? Did was writing your one of your first things? Did you start doing like one on one? Were you working with staffs? What were you? I was uh, an executive editor at a media company called The Good Men Project for about six years, and it became the focal point of the things I wrote about, uh, largely because they didn't have any other black people writing for them at the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, token. Let's go. Yeah, but like, <laughs> I. Here's, here's, here's a great example of how this shit actually works. Uh, Tales of the Cocktail imploded in 2017 when one of the founders thought it was cute to go on Facebook Live in blackface. And they yeah. quickly assembled a uh, diversity council of which I was invited to participate. And I got to sit around the table with some of the most august folks of color in this industry. And, you know, we all went around the room and everyone introduced themselves and they made the mistake of letting me go last. Never let me go last. (laughs) (laughs) And and I said, I'm Jackie Summers. I'm the guy that makes Sorrel. And when I got my license in 2012, I was the only black person in America with a license to make liquor. And the room broke out into applause. And I said, don't clap. How, how is this a good thing? This is a travesty. How is it that well, of all of these August people, I'm the only one of you that owns anything. Mm-hmm. All of you are well remunerated for what you do. But there are parties that are going to be thrown this weekend that are worth more than all of you put, make mm-hmm. put together in one night. And then I dropped the bomb. I said, in 1817... of black people in this country worked for a white person. How many of y'all working for a white person right now? Yeah. Uh, So I'm doing everything that I can to add equity to the situation, not just for people of color, but again, across the spectrum. We want to address homophobia. We want to address ageism. We want to address ableism. The entire fucking thing. When mm-hmm. it, when when any one of us suffers, all of us suffer. Mm-hmm. All of us suffer. Mm-hmm. And today, what are you what are you what are you working on these days? 
There's a bunch of stuff going on. I uh, I was invited to be part of the inaugural uh, education committee for Tales of the Cocktail. I saw that. So That's we are getting amazing. to shape the conversation. And mm-hmm. I think it's not just the most uh, diverse, socially aware uh, curriculum we've ever had, but the most diverse set of teachers mm. we've ever had. Yeah. Uh, same thing with uh, Bar Convent Brooklyn. I'm on the education panel for I that. I saw that too. And we get to, again, shape this conversation and put forward not just diverse thought, but but really, like, I, I, I remember sitting in one of these meetings and making it a point to say that we had a presenter who was queer. And the question was asked, well, is that our audience? And my response was, Representation matters. Yeah. You don't think queer That's people, a wild question. You don't think Are you queer people me? drink? Yeah. Wow. For, for real. That's, That's wild. And you know, like my response is always, how do you think marginalized people deal with your bullshit? <laughs> they Women drink. drink. People Hello. of color drink. The queer community drinks. And if they feel comfortable in new establishment, they'll drink more. Yeah. And support. <laughs> Are you dumb? What the? Yeah. Sorry. I'm getting annoyed. (laughs) Yo, stay annoyed. Yeah. (laughs) Never not be annoyed. Um, Oh, damn. Um, Can I just have a glass of water? Lightweight. (laughs) (laughs) What? Oh, there's water. Sorry. Um, Now, uh, so you are participating in the both. What... um, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out when you when you're creating these curriculums or you're thinking about um, what to present and are you basing it off of the current events that are happening in the world versus our industry? Is it just industry focused, like things that are happening, i.e. the post about the this this like new slur, this Canadian slur, mm-hmm. racial slur that's happening. We're gonna get, how into, are you, that, we're gonna get you know. into that. But how are you kind of grappling onto the things that you need to address in the industry? Stub toe theory. The stub toe theory? Have you stubbed your toe in the middle of the night? It's the worst. Mm. When you stub your toe in the middle of the night, how does how does the rest of your body respond? Bitch. Right? <laughs> your whole body goes. Okay, we stop the toe, <laughs> divert all of the attention and resources to the toe. It hurts like all fuck. Next. Everybody, like, you live with us and go, oh, fuck the toe. It's toe got nothing to do with me. Your earlobes don't go, yo, I got nothing to do with the toe. Sorry, with the Windex. Oh, your whole body gets to say, okay, a part of us is hurting. Let's all divert attention and resources toward the part of us that is vulnerable until it's okay again. Mm -hmm. So my feeling is always, what do we address? Who's the most marginalized part? Who's hurting the most? Because if any of us are hurting, all of us are hurting. And if we take care of, if we can't take care of who's hurting worst, we're failing as society. A body doesn't get to say, Fuck another part of the body. No. As society, we don't get to do that either. We have to learn to take care of each other. And in, in the new in the in the hospitality industry right now, who are the most marginalized people that you that you've heard that you're that you're listening to the stories? I mean, it could be just not New York City because every city is different. But in your experience, in, what's your focus right now? 
I I would love to say that there's a particular focus, but I I I think it's important to address the gender pay gap. I think it's important to address the difference between diversity diversity and and inclusion because you can hire a bunch of people of color and entirely depower them. Mm-hmm. And all they do if they're depowered is reinforce a system that is designed for them to fail. I think it's important to to address ageism. Like, I'm old as fuck. No, you're not. I'm old as fuck, and that's okay. <laughs> I'm good with it. I think it's important to address ableism. Like, we gave a seminar at Tales of the Cocktail last year, yeah. and one of my panelists is a disabled sommelier. And motherfuckers knew ahead of time, my panelist is in a wheelchair. We get to the venue 10 minutes before we're supposed to go on stage. And there's been no arrangement made for my panelist to get on stage, even though he's in a wheelchair. No. And the hotel is scrambling and the organization is scrambling to find a ramp. We had to physically pick, like we're literally giving... What? And that's the last thing you want to do for a disabled person is having to pick them up. That's and embarrassing. We're relocate literally the giving wheelchair. a seminar on diversity and inclusion and ableism, and, and we have to. <laughs> what? Yeah. Shit's fucked up. That is. Oh and do you think that there is um, having the conversation for people has been enough versus action afterwards? Because that's what happened, right? They're creating. You just said they're, we, you were about to have a panel about inclusion and diversity, Very and that was that enough far. for whoever, whatever mm-hmm. organization that was running this, but not actually paying attention to yeah. what was happening. That's and, actually real and, dumb. <laughs> I think it happens in layers. I think you get in, you get you speak at the liquor conventions. You can get in front of the bartenders, but you get in front of the bartenders so that it'll get back to the brands, mm-hmm. and then when the brands start to go, hey, what can we do about this? Yeah. And so now I'm doing work with the brands to go, hey, how's, here's how we can address this on a larger level. Yeah. So it's been an, a ladder up. And I want to say that it's happening quickly, but not nearly as quickly as it should. Yeah. But if we can get this message out to the brands and to the distributors, then those are the folks who have the actual ability to wield power and change. And we could change it if we want to. That's the whole thing. If we want to change shit, we can change it, and it'll happen in a heartbeat. But we gotta have we gotta have the volition to do it. Do you work with um, bar owners? Often? Absolutely, because mm. I think that's also a big a big right. You have the whole staff moving in a direction, and it and the current stops with this wall, and management just says investors owners won't change things, or you know what I mean. They always kind of they they trickle up. This things don't trickle up, right? They just only no, trickle down. It's okay. We'll <laughs> move forward. It's all right. If you want to trickle up, it could trickle up. It's Let fine. it trickle up. Um, <laughs> but I think there have definitely been issues. I mean, scenarios where I've worked at places where the front of the house, back of the house are all in sync of what needs to happen, what needs to change. And then when it's pre- presented, it's always like the owner, the investors, oh, the because, managers. Because you can't present it for the terms of altruism because people don't give a fuck about altruism in a capitalist society. What you gotta, yeah. what you gotta do is you gotta show them this is how you make more money. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, there are reams of data that say if you diversify, you'll make more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't appeal to people's altruism. People are just not that good. No. And, and the people that are in power a, want to stay in power, but B, they're not motivated to change things unless it's going to benefit them. Mm. 
So you have to show people if you hire women and put them in charge, if you hire people of color and put them in charge, if you make your spaces equitable, you will make more money. Mm-hmm. And Whoa. that appeals to people. <laughs> Yeah. Like you don't gotta be a better person. You could be a greedy asshole and still make the world a better place. True. You're right. How has been working with brands? The brands are coming along, but I will tell you I had a conversation with a one of the liquor giants this week where they said, Oh, you know, we're not sure if we can afford you. And my response was, I'm probably less expensive than a class action lawsuit. <laughs> yeah, word. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and how did they respond? They said we can work that out. They <laughs> were like, bet. <laughs> now that we review the numbers, um, <laughs> it's the only thing people respond to. Yeah. Can I ask you a question real quick, Jackie? Absolutely. Um, you were talking a little bit earlier about being the first uh, black uh, owner of a distiller's license. And um, one of the, so uh, I think that the stereotypical image of a pre-prohibition bartender is a white guy with a mustache. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've been learning a lot in the last couple of years about how that is not true. It's, at all, all. it's all bullshit. Yeah. It's, um, more often than not, it was actually a a black person mm-hmm. um, whether or not they had a mustache I don't know but um, you mustaches know, like a, aside the, yeah, right. the, the, the two things that people don't want to admit are we know that the food culture in this country was carried by people of color because white folks weren't fixing their own food No, but if they weren't fixing their own food what makes you think they were fixing their own drinks mm-hmm. hello people of color were fixing their <laughs> drinks too and there was a great article recently by Dave Wondrich that showed historically black people invented the dive bar too. Yeah, I read that article. Too. Yeah. Um, so I guess my question is, I'm like, there must be this um, hidden history of black distilling as well, and I would, I'd like to know if you have uncovered anything um, about that history. Uncle Nearest is the very best example of this. It's been proven oh, yeah. that the person who taught Jack Daniels how to make whiskey was a slave. Yeah. yeah. That family is worth, what, $20 billion these days? Do you think any of his ancestors got a, got a piece of that? Bacardi, too. Bacardi was a... And I will say, black was, people love Jack Daniels. Oh, my God. Yeah. Honey, Jack, Jack, Jack Daniels. It. It's, it's, get, it's an American default. Yeah. Bacardi too. We were when Orlando was doing his um, legacy competition. He focused on this idea of like t- you know working together. But basically, the Bacardi family did not. They basically owned what is a which is what is like a um, convenience store. And he realized that there was money in rum and rum making, and there was a confectionaire who was making um, brandy. Mm. And he was like, "Hey, I want to make money." Can you teach me how to distill? And learned from this like Haitian distiller how to you know how to distill, mm-hmm. and that was something that wasn't just like known. It wasn't something that came down from like generation to generation. It was something that was taught by a black man if, to the if, family, and if, and then if we want to get real about this, distillation reached Europe through the uh, 
crusades because they got to the Arabic countries and the Arabic countries were distilling when they were making ale and cider in Europe. Mm -hmm. And they saw what the Arabs were doing and it was magic to them. So they wouldn't be scotch or whiskey or any distilling in Europe if they hadn't learned how to do it from Arab populations. Wow. The word alcohol is Arabic. Yes. It comes from alchemy, which is what they thought turning wheat and grain into spirits was. Yeah. Mm. Wow. That's wild. So like we've been here from the beginning. We ain't, we didn't get in, we didn't get cut in on, on any of the profits of this, but we've been here from the beginning. Mm. Was there a decline in people of color bartending after pro, like when prohibition ended? When prohibition ended and then restarted? Was you know what I mean? Was there some sort of It wasn't even a decline, it's a question of who's writing the article. Like yeah. this is again, I'm gonna go back to Dave Wondrich. If you're being spoon fed information, ask who's holding the spoon. Mm. Right, so we have we have a culture of erasure. We have a culture that says getting rid of the dominant culture gets to decide what the history books look like. Yeah. So you know, of course, you're not going to have women and people of color that get written into the history books because that mm-hmm. means that you're not actually as good as you think you are. Yeah. Wow. This is so true. I literally just watched an episode of Blackish about this. Yeah. And they were trying to highlight. They always, the kids were going to school and they were highlighting the same black people during black, like the same three. And then the same safe, the same safe three <laughs> every year the they went to school. Three. They have to just write a paper on the same three people. And then this was the year that the dad found out and he was like, nah, fuck that. We're going to write about someone else. And the whole episode is about everyone in the family putting an input on which black person they should talk about. And they end up getting an argument over it. But they all mattered at the end. So the dad went to the school and did like a speech about every one of them, including the principal of their school, who was the first black woman principal of their school. He included it. It was a very cute episode. But people had to hear that because in within the episode, they highlighted a lot of pe- black people that no one knew invented things that we have. Like the GPS was invented by a black woman. My People favorite, don't know that. My favorite <laughs> highlight for Women's History Month last year, I did, I did, I did a little piece on the first woman who founded the concept of higher learning, an Arabic woman a thousand years ago, <laughs> took took the fortune left to her by her father and founded the first university ever, which is still in existence. Like, if you have a university degree or you know somebody who has a university degree, you owe it to a woman. She yes. literally invented the shit. It's like, give these people their she flowers, yo. The give university. them their flowers. That's not fair. It gets me so but, hot. But, you know, erasure. <laughs> How do you navigate through this? Do you feel like at any... Do you feel that you um, are alone? Do you feel like that you're gathering more support? Do you feel... Um, I mean... I am reading anything that you post all of the time because I mm-hmm. truly feel that your opinion really matters to me. And it is, I am challenged. Like literally one of the only reasons why I still have Facebook. Deadass. You. I, <laughs> because it challenges me. You um, will, will, you know, put out different perspectives for us to think about and you may go it from a racial perspective and then you turn around and you and you and you go at it at a sexist and you go at it at different angles and I'm constantly repositioning myself and that's why I truly um, wanted you here because I'm constantly just like repositioning how I feel and what I 
what I feel. And do you have allies in the in in New York City that you get to talk about this stuff with besides just providing information for people and providing your opinion but as but help you formulate these like formulate these opinions and are like challenging you well i will tell you something that you guys both already know because of what i do because of what we do 90 something percent of the people that i associate with by default in the business don't look like me so Mm -hmm. i make it my business to surround myself with brown women and like that was a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, bro, I'm going to make my life so much better. So oh, much better. Hello. Shouts out to me. <laughs> like, if you don't have brown women in your life, what is wrong with you? I like you? to think I'm a light of a few people's lives. I'm just saying. The light. <laughs> the light but and the, maybe the dark and maybe the shade. It, 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 it's, a, it's a very simple rule I really believe in. You put brown women in charge and things get better for everyone. Hello? Because they, because they think communally. On? I think communally as for like what I, you know, what motivates me at the, at the beginning of a day, uh, I wake up angry. I have a shot. I have a shot of rum. I turn on the news and by eight o'clock in the morning, I'm fucking pissed off and ready to do some research and figure out what the hell is going on. And I will try to put forth the most Thoroughly researched, but entirely unbullshitty opinion I can think of. Because mm-hmm. if we don't address shit, shit doesn't get better. Yeah. You're right. We have to talk about it. We trying to. This is why we do this. This is why we're trying to do this shit. Lucky. I mean, a, a huge part of why Ricky and I wanted to do this podcast, just so everybody knows, is that we really just wanted a platform to talk about the things that are happening to us every day. But for our shifts... Day. But just the, the, what it, what being a woman of color in New York City is like for us. And we couldn't just, we were talking about it with each other and we're like, we can't be the only one. Like, this has to be happening to other fucking women. Well, well, what you're doing is great. And I'll tell you why. If you look at how the organizers of the civil rights movement of the 1960s worked, you could break people down who contributed into four categories. They were organizers, they were helpers, they were rebels, and they were advocates. Everyone had something they could do relative to their propensity and their ability organizers might not have been you know the loudest mouths but they got everyone in the same room rebels with loud mouths they got everyone heated up uh advocates were in positions of power to make change and uh i forgot what the fucking last one was it's always happens to me it's all right. anyway y'all actually organizing you doing something that, that counts have you didn't sit on, you didn't sit yeah. on your thumbs and wait you're doing something and that matters mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. I needed, I needed to hear that. Affirmation is good. We've been having <laughs> yeah. we've been having some um, some men who have a little bit of backlash. A little bit of backlash. So oh, what on the middle beating soon? Yeah, you know it's, it's yo fuck them. <laughs> I know. Or, or more accurately, don't fuck them. Don't. <laughs> they wish. It's true. I mean, we definitely have had the only negative um, comments about the podcast have been from men. So, um, what's their beef though? Their beef is that I think it's been um, no. Nope. They just said it's been gossipy. 
or it's been oh so they're they're tone policing you they can go fuck themselves yeah it's been tone pleasing i, I like it. that term tone policing. i love that for us yeah it's just been like it seems like it's too gossipy and i was like well it's it's because you're not spending the time to listen to the things that we deal with nothing that selective we, listening is the issue it, it's gossipy is because under if you if you just listened you would have an understanding of what we go through you're not listening, so you're just signing it off as it just being gossip because they, it's just women talking, so it's gossip. They think it's gossipy because they're trying to see it through their own narrative instead of through yours. Yeah. You know, and this is something I will continue to come back to. You have to decentralize maleness. You have to decentralize whiteness. You have to decentralize whatever the, the dominant culture is mm-hmm. in order to actually move things forward. You're right. And how would you, in the industry, in the hospitality industry, what are some of like tokens of advice that you could give to help you remember to decentralize? Take up less space. Listen harder. Like really listen. Listen and don't try to listen from your perspective. Like appreciate that there are viewpoints that are not yours that are still fucking valid. Mm. Um, those are three good places to start. <laughs> He's like, like start there let's just start there maybe we'll do a part two a part, and you'll get more yeah. you'll get more and 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 if you have a chance to 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 up a woman's work or a, a, a person of color's work or, or someone who's not like you like put them forward take a step like there's enough room there's enough room for all of us like you don't have to take up so much space Say it louder for the people in the back. You don't got to take up so much space. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, let's get on to this this Facebook thread that oh. I came across. Which one? I literally looked at it. I glanced it. I texted Taylor and I closed my eyes and I'm like, I can't read this anymore. We're just going to ask yeah. him when he comes on. What is this this racial slur, this new racial slur we're talking about in, in the industry? <sighs> So it ain't it ain't new, uh, mm, my boy. Makes it worse. My boy Micah Anderson out in OKC heard this. Uh, someone told him What's that. that? See? What's that name? Oklahoma City. Thank oh you. My Sorry. God, I'm oh. from the Bronx. I've lived in these five boroughs my whole life. It's all good. Oh, I'm from it's Massachusetts, but fuck Massachusetts. Okay. <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry. I asked. I wasn't You're from a bigger city. Anyway, I wasn't gonna go. pretend so, like I didn't know. <laughs> So Micah puts up this thread where someone tells him that the code word, if you are working in the hospitality industry for people of color, is Canadians. Here's a table full of Canadians. First of all, Canadians are mad nice. Right. First of all. But second it, of all, Drake is... Never mind, let's go. But it's better than saying there's a table full of niggers. You're right. So Canadians? it's a euphemism for a slur. Yeah. It's like, it's like they're saying it in their head. When they say the word Canadians. Yeah. They're like, oh, I get it. No one's going to know what I'm saying. And it was news to Micah, even though this has been an industry thing for decades. How have I what? what wait, that, this is the question. How have you not heard it? Because your white friends won't say it in front of you. So my question is, why won't your white friends say it in front of you? I just... Yeah. I'm confused. I'm not even, I'm not confused. I, it's not, I'm uh, just, uh, just trying to understand. No, Seven years it. ago, I wrote an article called The Most Racist Thing That Never Happened. And the whole principle of the article was for all of the overt racism that I've experienced in life, that any person of color experienced, 
it is not the worst thing that's ever happened to you because that shit happens when you're not around. Mm. You will never, ever know what the most racist thing that ever happened is because it was done behind your back. Yeah. You're right. So in the scenario, how did he find out? Oh, somebody told him. And it was like, it, it oh, was. Like you don't know? Yeah, for him oh it was a God. brand new thing, and sure enough, it is to me one after one, people shot. piped in. They were like, "Oh yeah, we know about that, of what? course." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for my and, and you know, like I have questions. Yeah, sure. How, like why would why wouldn't you say this to your friend of color when this is said and there are no people of color around? What is your Aren't response? You what is yeah. it? Did, did his friend be honest with him and say that? Canadians, the word Canadians was a, a term for instead of using black people yes. or Hispanic people. Yes. So instead of saying, they're saying a group, the group of black people, he used the word Canadian. Because yep. Canadians can be any color. But my question so to, but like, my, well, my question would be is this. <clears throat> would his friend be offended if they said the black family at table? Well, I was talking to Orlando about this. What we were saying was, first of all, he, I was, as a black man, I was like, I learned, are you offended if anyone's saying that black guy or that black family? And he was like, I'm not, but. No, because I'm me. black. He like, he's like, I'm black. So that's just me. He was like, second of all, what the fuck happened to table numbers? Because if there is a bar or a table, it's usually numbered. And then you'd say table 41, position three. Would like another sprite or but, put, but, or but you or know the answer to this to though. We I know, know we were just. I know we were just like, what happened to position numbers in we table know numbers? The, it's not about they. And also, why does his white friend feel like instead of saying the black family or Hispanic family or that he would be offended by that or that that would be an offensive thing? Because it's a particular amount of privilege to be able to hear that thing and not have it affect you. I know I understand that, but I just think that the 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 masking of kid just I'm just like I'm frustrated with this whole situation. I'm frustrated. You're, with you're frustrated entire. with the situation because the situation is designed to make certain people feel comfortable. It is it. comfortable to never have to have this conversation with your black friend because then they might think that you are not racist, but you know, racist adjacent. Racist adjacent. Yeah, right? that's a like problem. you might not be racist. But the racists are all like lining up behind you. Yeah. They're by you. Yeah. Yeah. So like racist adjacent is racist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sexist, might be sexist adjacent chat. is sexist. <laughs> yeah. Homophobic adjacent is homophobic. It doesn't matter. You're right. <laughs> well, it's not hard to understand. <laughs> like, it, it, it is if you're trying to maintain your privilege. It is if you want, like, there were too many people who were too concerned with feeling good about themselves than doing good. Mm. Yeah. That's the scary part. Did you have a conversation with him after? Have you spoken to him about, like, what he said to that coworker and what he, was He exchange? was too pissed off to talk about it. Yeah. I get it. I get it. And, you know, like, I want to have civil discussions, but I'm not backing up an inch. No. I get it. It's something I I have... We texted each other back and forth, and I was like, "Have you ever heard of this before?" I texted her the thread, and she said, was I've like, never, "Excuse I've me." Never. I said, "What?" Yeah. Never. You didn't even. Tilly texted me, "Oh my!" and didn't even say the word "God" until mm-hmm. like two hours later because she's bad at texting. <laughs> I literally just texted her two hours later. God. <laughs> 
I was like, I know what that's coming from. (laughs) However, can you believe this bullshit? We have never heard of it before. We've never heard of it. I'd never heard it before either, but that doesn't surprise me. Like the, oh, shit, yeah. the shit that happens behind your back is mostly you'll never know about. Yeah. Well, now I know what to watch out for. <laughs> I. I just. I mean, I, if anyone's Canadian out there, like, it, I just did it come from? Can, is it just like why Canadians? Did it no. come from like? What? Uh, it what, co- what it's just easier. What, what do they to say call Canadian? real Canadians? That, what do you call real Canadians? What do they call black Canadians? Yeah. Oh, I don't even want. I just thought we Drink. just had. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I had never heard of that before. I mean, I definitely have had to address coworkers when I was a server about labeling tables. Mm, was yep, a, was a, a thing. that was a thing in like the mid two thousands that like blew up and I was so it's happy not funny because people put the the label in the haha look and it's not funny. I even had to check myself recently um you know labeling bar positions saying like gents or ladies you can't you or to, like, you know just shirt, like, cu- like you know you know, black hat. You gotta just saying, or just saying, even things I have, and, and nothing has ever, no, no one has ever corrected me, or I had someone, you know, call me out. But I recently was just in bed the other week, and I was like, I had greeted, you know, two women at the bar, and I said, like, hey, ladies, and I was like, no, no, you can't say no. Yeah, you never know. Any, you just like, don't know. You have to yeah, just you have hi. no. Yeah, you just have to say. Pronouns are a real thing. They're a real Absolutely. thing, and I respect. And I understand. Like, I like y'all. I like folks. Yeah. I like motherfuckers. It's it's gender. That's non gender specific. Yeah. yeah. What's Anyone up, motherfuckers? Can do that. <laughs> Anyone could do that. <laughs> What's up, motherfuckers? No, and I just said to myself something. What? Just go up to them and be like, "What's up, motherfuckers?" Like, just the way you just said it was funny as fuck. Um, for some reason, when I say the word motherfucker, I immediately think of Martin Lawrence. I'm just like it. Martin Lawrence. I get it. I think of his comedy. Um, but anyway, I was just like, I was like, to Whoa. say greetings, earthlings, earthlings, greetings, earthlings. You gonna get you a beverage today? Um, I just was saying these are what things. What do you humans drink? <laughs> Would you like a libation today? <laughs> Whoa, you went, you went deep. You went deep. No, but I, these are things that I'm saying. I'm just Not trying to. Not everybody identifies as an earthling. Stop. Oh, here we go. Go away. <laughs> we, we went left. We went left. Talk to Lil Wayne. He's a Talk to Lil Wayne. Oh, God. If he ever gets my bar, I would know exactly but, how to greet him. Yeah, I would just I, flick a lighter. Yes. <laughs> but I definitely do remember being like, don't, do not, we're not doing that. These labeling, because one, you would put that down, right? But then if you didn't change it and you printed the receipt... As we saw, that was like a huge, it was a huge lawsuit. They can see that. Yeah. And I was like. Oh, yeah, that lawsuit. Fuck. I, I remember was, that yeah, shit. that was bad. That was dumb. Like, you're just, that's I was so like, stupid. see y'all? See what I'm talking about? You and just. It, <laughs> and it wouldn't be, and necessarily it wouldn't be racist. It was just, or it wouldn't be sexist. Or it was just like, you have to stop saying, even just saying three girls, group of guys, douchebags, fucking. I mean, I remember being on an interview, a job interview, and the woman walked in. And I'm the only person sitting in the waiting room. She looked around the entire waiting room and then looked back at me and went. And she said, 
oh my God, I had no idea you were black. My first response in my head was to go, I'm black, I'm black. How did this happen? Yo, thank you, because I was breathing heavy just now. <laughs> I didn't say that, though. My second response in my head was, Oh my God, I had no idea you were white. <laughs> yeah. What I actually said was, I hope that won't weigh on our interview. Yeah. I didn't get that job. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I even think, even when the sense of, I was talking to a coworker about this because when you talk about guests, you and your coworker share this. You know, we're we have a different position of power versus them, and so mm-hmm. you can, you know, talk shit about your guests, uh, or you're just like, oh my god, that guy's being such a jerk, or he's being such a dick, or he won't, you know what I mean? He's so drunk, and you do that. Oh but god. even that has been really like affecting me lately, and I've been like, I mean, we are in the. I just like have told my coworker like we're in the industry of serving booze, so yeah, that person's drunk. Like, what? What's what are we talking about? Sometimes they're not even. You're in the industry of serving. Yeah. People don't, if drunk or not, you're serving them. And some people don't understand that because you're serving them, they don't have to be polite to you. Yeah. They can just treat you whatever the fuck way they want. And that's the problem. I'm a human. This of is my course. job. I probably make more money than you. I know. However. Entitlement's a motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. But even that kind of nature of just like, just talking about guests. And it's, I've, I'm kind of like over it um if there's an issue i'm always just recently i've just been like get a manager we just had a new gm let me get talk to your GM. manager get you to get the new gm the haircut okay speak to your manager yeah <laughs> we all know the haircut yeah <laughs> that um, one-sided bob yeah. oh john and k plus eight hello yeah john and k plus eight <laughs> <laughs> oh my god she frequently watches uh trash tv she speaks to the manager in her dreams it's like Um, nonstop. if you were um to give bartenders or people in the hospitality industry some advice someone kind of being looking at it from the outside in what are um some little morsels of either mantras or things that like they can carry with them in their pocket daily to kind of um, work towards being so, better. So I got a thing that um, that that's a hill I'll die on, right? I got a friend who runs a great bar, award-winning bar out in Oakland, and she has a very specific technique for keeping sexual harassment out of her bars. She had her entire staff trained to recognize sexual harassment when it happens, and and, and if they see it, they're directed to walk up to the harasser and go. Thank you for your patronage. Your tab has been paid. Please leave. Don't come back. Wow. Right? And they pay for the tab? And here's the great part about that. I, I have said this when I have given when I've been given seminars to an audience and looked into the eyes of the men of the audience and said, This is on you because sexual harassment is a male problem. What would happen if Every single bar owner manager said, thank you for your patronage. 
you're no longer welcome here. Please leave. Mm. Like if we went, if we could walk into any bar in America right now and ask the woman who's been harassed in a bar and every woman's hand would go up. Imagine if we went one generation, just one, and asked that same question and no woman's hand went up. And I tell the guys in the audience, don't you want to be the generation that ended sexual harassment in bars? Because mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. Hello. Right? Yeah. And, and, and the great part about that is, again, women drink to put up with your bullshit. If the women will go, oh, my God, I feel comfortable. I feel safe here. I'm bringing all my girls back here. Mm -hmm. We're going to drop dollars in this place. Hello. You know, this is, okay, yeah, decency, absolutely. Profitable. You know, like, you get to have both of these worlds. You get to make money in a capitalist society, which I'm not entirely for. But you also get to make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. Where is the loss in this? No, you're right. Um, I wanted to end with something that you said once. Um, I was in a video about sexual harassment, I think it was like a year ago. Right. Joanna Carpenter. Yes. Love her. You were there on the panel and you said something that was very powerful that like shook the whole room. It's an analogy about how men should feel about women being sexually harassed. Can you just repeat that? Can you sure. Tell that story one more time. In 1999... Uh, I was leaving my parents' house in my 72 Buick Skylark convertible, and I... Yes, my, my cousin Vinny. Oh, the car was so <laughs> fucking cool. Somebody ran a stop sign and told my car. No. Spent a year and a half, like, restoring the showroom condition. Police came. They ran a check on the licenses. I find out then and there, on the spot, that my license had been suspended due to an unpaid ticket. First time misdemeanor offense. Now we talk about disparity in sentencing. The least penalty for this offense, first time misdemeanor offense, is a $75 fine and a warning. The worst, the harshest penalty is five days at Rikers. I got five days at Rikers. The worst. Now, Rikers is exactly what you think it is. And I will tell you, that <laughs> having never been to jail before, the first night is an experience. It's not cells. Uh, they only put violent offenders in cells. They usually put nonviolent offenders into uh, a room with another with a hundred cots. Yeah. You got a hundred cots, two feet apart, six foot cots, and everyone goes to sleep at the same time. Lights go out. And, you know, it's my first night, so I'm not sleeping. I'm about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes lighting in the dark, wondering how the fuck I got here. And then you hear the very familiar sound of people having sex. And in an instant, you get several thoughts that happen immediately. A, that doesn't sound like consensual sex. B, they prey on newcomers and I just got here C if I'm attacked I could defend myself maybe but D 
anything I do that registers as an altercation will either end my life or extend my stay. I'm helpless. This, this, if, if I'm attacked, my options are very fucking limited. And I remember feeling entirely vulnerable. And I think it's important for men to know that that is what women face every fucking time they leave their homes. Yeah. A woman leaves her house in New York City, you can't get five feet before you hear, hey, ma. Mm. And you, you have no idea what that person's intentions are. Mm-hmm. You do not know if they wish you violent harm. You don't. You can't know. And I think it's important for men to realize that that level of absolutely paralyzing fear that I had to go through my first time. Like, I got through Five Days Rikers unscathed. I have no idea how. Um, no matter how much of a badass you think you are, you are not when you end up in jail. You're just not. Um, and I was terrified and I couldn't show it because if you show you're terrified, then they really come after you. It's what women deal with every single time they leave the house. And for that matter, it's what women deal with every time they log onto the internet. Yeah. Everything we <laughs> it, do. It, it's ridiculous. You can't do regular everyday things. Log into the things. internet. It's like at this point too, like the amount of sexual harassment that we both get with people just DMing us. We just like open an app. We're not even like seeking through we're just looking at messages being received to us my dms are a very scary place i don't visit them most of the time and it's ridiculous and i i just wanted you to say that because the first time i told that story i was in tears and it still gives me chills because it makes so much sense and i feel like if men could hear that and understand what it's like things would be different i just i need and you just need men to understand the men understand. Let, let, let's, let's, let's be clear about this. Men understand. If you're ever in bed with a man and you stick your finger in his ass without asking permission first, you'll Hello? know he understands consent. <laughs> you'll know he understands consent. Mm-hmm. Whether he likes it or not, it'll, it, it'll, there's going to be a reaction. I did not Just ask saying. for that. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, I also didn't ask for your hand on the back of my head, but there it is. Um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would really like to discuss, not discuss, it's going to be a quick, but for the men in this, in, in the hospitality industry, specifically in New York City, because that's where Ricky and I and we live, mm-hmm. um, and you live, the sexual harassers, the men who have, work with brands, work at bars, and still get to share, and still get, they don't get, and still place themselves in social settings. Ricky and I have talked about this in a previous episode where we just personally has been around our sexual harassers Mm -hmm. um, and have avoided them, but I'm just struggling to grasp how they're allowed and invited and are allowed to show up to these events and they do all the time and celebrated and when, as 
and I mean, when the are bartenders and it's when like, it's gonna stop and wait, how wait, wait, we can contribute to it stopping this, this is simple though it's a capitalist system the only thing people understand is when their money is hurt that's the only thing people understand in a capitalist society people will respond to their money being hurt again go back to the civil rights movement of the 1960s montgomery but the montgomery bus boycott you had thousands of people who were like, yo, fuck your bus, I'm walking to work. Yeah. And the bus company was ready to concede in two months. They were like, no, fuck you. It, it, again, we're going to contrast altruism with capitalism. You can't count on human goodness at this point. It isn't good enough. But if you fuck with people's money or you give them the chance to make more money, you might get a response. So I'm not necessarily about trying to make people feel good or bad about things. How people feel about things is on them. But if I can fuck up your business, if I can fuck up your livelihood, that might get your attention. And again, like these gigantic companies, they don't give a fuck until it affects their bottom line. And then everything's different. Yep. So that's 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 what I that's the, the approach I try to that's take. Like I, I, I love the idea of telling people stories so they can relate on a human level and hopefully have some empathy, but I don't count on empathy. It's not enough. No. There are too many people who manufacture apathy for the sole purpose of maintaining the status quo. Yeah. yeah. So fuck your apathy, no. I'm gonna fuck with your pocketbook. You control your own feelings. Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. So but but I but we can but we can fuck up someone's pocketbook though, and that'll make a difference. Hundo P fuck up them pocketbooks. For stop, real. Stop checking <laughs> those brands. Stop Stop going to supporting those bars. them. Stop supporting them. And Exactly. Um, I yeah. It's just it's just for me, it's a it's a brain buster. There there, 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 there is no good thing done by an asshole that can't be done as well by somebody who's not an asshole. You're right. You're right. <laughs> There's no brand so good run by assholes that it can't be replaced by another brand. Yeah. There's no establishment so cool run by assholes that you can't just go somewhere else. You're yeah. Right. Sorry. <laughs> And honestly, there is no mic you can't bump. <laughs> I'm sorry, I get too hype. I'm the girl who lost an earring watching Black Panther in the theater, and I just get too hype. It's just me. I just I had to turn up with things like this. But rounding out, thank you for for being here. And oh fuck yeah, this thank all you for was so helpful. This is probably our most valued episode right now. I'm honored. Thank you. I, Thank you. I could it's, cry right now. This I, is incredible. I think it's also because it's it's the issues that we talked about is something that is so are so close to Ricky and I because it's something that we are going through constantly, and it's just nice to um, for that to be reaffirmed and supported mm-hmm. and discussed and. Something I needed to hear. You said a lot of things I needed it's, to it's, hear to feel better about me in my position in my job. It's something you need to hear from men. Like, it's mm. nice to hear it from a man. Like, this is things that we talk about as women all the time, and it just feels good to hear it from a man and that, and to just regain a little bit of um, love and, 
connection and to nurturing your relationships with the right men and keeping them close and key and staying open about what you mm-hmm. experience and 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 having co- like you know complicated for the record like i lost i've lost a lot of male friends by taking the stance mm. i'm gonna tell i'm gonna tell you all a story we got time for this yes yeah. so a couple of years ago there's a new york event and there's a bunch of bartenders in town and i'm on a text thread with a bunch of bartenders black guys trying to figure out where we're going to drink for the evening mm-hmm. and the name of a colleague comes up and suddenly the conversation got super sexist, borderline rapey. And I'm looking at these, this thread and three thoughts go through my head. A, these are my boys. B, my boys think I'm okay with this. C, if I don't say something about this, I'm complicit. So I, I pipe up and I go, y'all are going to make me be the responsible one here, aren't you? I need you to refer to our colleague in a different way. And what comes back immediately, of course, is, oh, you know, it's just jokes. No. And my response was, the way you're joking about this woman right now is the same way people use the N-word about you the minute you leave a room. And that changed the tone of the conversation. Yep. Again, like, I know that I get ostracized by men for saying this. And I kind of don't feel like those are people I need as friends. Yeah. That's it. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. No. I'd rather rather be alone than spend time with people who are assholes. You're right. Same. That makes the most sense. But not everyone thinks that way. So and I, I think it. that's, I think. I th- but that's is why th- you're so valuable. I mean. Yeah. I think we, I think as I'm, you know, getting older and being, and getting more seasoned and being a part of this industry more is having less friends. And it's okay. being ostracized. Me and, I mean, the, after the first episode came out, I lost like 30 something followers. Now, I don't got that many. But what I'm saying is. It was enough for me to tell myself I'm doing exactly the right thing because I wasn't probably fucking with 38 y'all of y'all anyway. I so had, thank I you. Had for, somebody like, ask, just, I had just, somebody ask me, why do you always have an axe to grind? I was like, yo, guillotines are portable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any more brain busters? <laughs> um... Yeah, and I think that's something that people should find comfort in because being and knowing exactly who you are and knowing your beliefs and knowing what who you are not and what are not your beliefs should be what's what your end goal is and sticking to that versus the and, you know social aspect of this industry. And 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 again, I can't stress this enough. Like, what's what, when we take care of the most vulnerable of us, life is better for all of us. It's really is that simple. It is. Everyone's got to do their part. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jackie. Lit. Thank you so much. An honor. Thank you. No. Our, I mean, our pleasure, really. Thank you.
back with some announcements. Announcements. Um, I'll go first. Okay. I'm really happy about this. Um, the East Coast Regional is a world class. The winners have been announced, and they're three women. Booyah. So, in no particular order, uh, the first one is Christina Mercado from Rhode Island. I've never met you, but I live very close to there, so shout-outs to you. You're putting on for my area of where I grew up. Um, Lauren Paler from D.C., but originally from the Bronx. What, what? X stand up. <laughs> That's a great I'm, for my D.C. Arm, my arms are like Uptown, baby. Yeah. She's doing the Wakanda. But yeah, from D.C., from the Bronx, but from D.C. now, representing for them. That's amazing. I love D.C. And then our very own Leon, Leanne Favre from New York. Leanne. We love her. We do. She has a great dog, and she's very talented. Um, yeah. So congratulations to the three women that's winning. So They're going to go um on to the Nationals. So that's amazing. Yeah. Shout two, out to them. Two of the three of color. And Leanne uh, has been and will uh, forever be... A POC ally. Yes, um, she is. Yes, she is. And um, I really, really love her. She's a really gracious, gracious person who is so busy and doesn't have a lot of time. But when you're around her, she makes you feel like oh yeah, like you are the priority. And she just asks you how to... She, I just love her. Shout out oh, to her. She's me. a great human. Uh, I'm very proud of her. That's awesome. Uh, what's yours? So, I had mentioned in a previous episode that I was seeking insurance and had found through the Bushwick grape, rotten grapevine. Um, <laughs> Why it gotta be rotten? Because they all rotten. We out here ripe as fuck. Um, <laughs> but through the Bushwick, through the Bushwick bartenders um, that they had been using a health insurance, a hospitality health insurance Broker named Jackie. I like and- that name. There's <laughs> <laughs> something about it. <laughs> and she, so I, um, from a coworker, I got her her information, and he's like, I've been insured for three years, and so basically, you pay her 125 dollars a year to like re to re up, and um, she gets you in health insurance. Now, the health insurance that I received was United Healthcare. It uh, included dental, mental, because I definitely checked to see if I would get coverage, because um, that is a new priority of mine, taking care of my mental, um, vision, and medical, right? So all of that, I just got um, my mail today, which was like, kind of like, it, you can start using this. It's your temporary, it's a sheet of paper, but it's like your temp card until your card comes in. Mm-hmm. But official documentation, so it's legit. And I will be paying $44.72 a month. Now. I need that. <laughs> yeah, like for me, I have a lot of issues when it comes to like hormone imbalance I suffer from fibrosis, which is when a bunch of cysts just decided to, like, post up on your uterus and um, just chill. They chill in. And so bartending can be 
quite painful and things mm-hmm. are painful and I have to track it because um, it could be cancerous um, mm-hmm. and they have to make sure that, that they are not the cysts. So for me to not have insurance is really scary when I can feel the discomfort of these cysts and not know what that mm-hmm. means for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me to to have the security of getting health insurance, which is such a big issue in this industry, um, job security, uh, at will, basically, like being like, oh, at will, and health insurance. Like, I feel like those are just like, well, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going to happen with my body and my income. Um, <laughs> but um, I just want you guys to know that. Um, that sounds like a cool rap lyric. What? My body. My income. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I got permission from Jackie to give her email address out. Um, So, mommy. (laughs) Right? (laughs) But but, 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 but would a Cardi be flip on it, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Of course. (laughs) My body, my income. My income, my body. Um, (laughs) Mommy. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to leave. I got permission from Jackie to give out her email address. You can use Taylor Ray as a reference. I am not profiting from this at all, but you can say that I am was your reference. Her email address is freemeup.jack at gmail.com. Please free me up. Free me up, Jack. It's F R E E M E U P dot J A C K at gmail.com um this is specifically just for the hospitality industry all the things that i need to do uh, i need to do was fill out an application that literally took me less than five minutes um on united healthcare she'll send you a link and then she asked for um a letter of employment so i just basically had um my my boss just say like i'm employed this is how many hours i make and then i create i figured out like a median as to how much like how much I, my income was. So mm. you put, you know, on their worst shift and your best shift, like about what happened, like around like how much that is. And I was really nervous. I was like, I think I make too much money to be qualified. I think that's the thing that the bartenders are always concerned about. Do I make too much money to qualify for the <laughs> things that I need, but I cannot afford. <laughs> um, and I was qualified. I qualified and the whole process took three weeks to a month, like from start to finish. And I just, that security is so, so nice. And I just want everyone to experience that. And so even if you incorporate, if you include like her annual um, fee, you're, pay, you're paying $55 a month. You know what I mean? So that's unheard of. I know there's like Oscar and a lot of other, you know, I know I have a couple of friends who are paying like $300 for health insurance. Uh-uh. And so I think when, when you find a broker and she has a really big pool, she's able to negotiate with health insurance um, companies saying, I have 400 people that I'm, you know, what's what's the bundle? I have a bundle. What's the best price? And so because she has that, she, I mean, again, this is such a blessing. Please contact her and um, come, like, communicate with her. Figure out what, she, you know, you need particularly. Everyone's different. But what she needs from you and get yourself insured I'm so relieved. Yeah. And I that think that great. is a, that's a, that's a blessing. So mm. please, please fucking do that. Yes. Yeah. Last right. word. You got one? 
Yeah, I was going to say, um, uh, this last week, I have been trying to be kind um, in a lot of ways to myself and to, um, in the scenarios and situations that frustrate me the most, I have to realize that my guests don't know what kind of day I've had. My guests don't know what kind of week I've had, what kind of year I've had, what kind of life I've had. And sometimes we exert a lot of internal aggression towards people when they don't know what you're going through and it's not sometimes their fault. And sometimes the things that they do aren't a big deal, but because you deal with it over and over again every fucking day. Like someone asking me for water, I literally thought I was going to like flip the fucking table. (laughs) I was like... Are you fucking kidding me? And I was That's like, me no, but it was just at the. I was, I was so in the. Weeds. I would pay money to see that. Like I was just in the. I was in the weeds. When you're in the I, weeds and someone's like flagging you down, you're like, what? And you're like, water. You're like, Argh. no. <laughs> Swallow your spit. <laughs> That's free work. Like, and so those are the things that again. That is, I'm one hundred percent promote hydration when you're in drinking environment like environments where there's a lot of alcohol consumption i want people to be hydrated it was just like i had to say like oh my god taylor you cannot project and you have to be kind to this person and gladly get them some water because everyone they're just trying to be responsible they're just trying to take care of themselves you cannot make someone like do not be kind so my last word is in those situations, and it's so much easier said than done, but I've just been trying to take a deep breath and say, like, how can I be kinder to this person or this situation to get myself through it? And oftentimes, like, I've been feeling a lot better than when I've harbored aggression towards them or resentment for silly-ass fucking reasons. And I've been feeling better. So I'm going to say my last word is be kind. I'm going to tag along on that. I feel like I can relate a lot because of my job. Um, uh, it's very easy to get frustrated where I work because I'm taking large orders all at once from groups of people that don't really know what they want or are super drunk already when they arrive to me. So for me, it's little things. This is tagging on to you, but also as a tip, if you're not a bartender and you listen to this for some reason, when you're ordering a drink that's like a vodka soda, like tequila soda, can you just bunch them together? Can you just be like three vodka sodas and two tequila sodas? And I'll like one tequila soda, uh, one vodka soda, uh, two more and vodka sodas and one tequila soda and one more vodka soda. What do you want? Oh, what do you want? Turn around. And then adding, oh, and tequila soda lime. Your drink's going to come with a lime. Just I know. Like, they just come with it. But they don't get it. And I get it. And that, like, we get frustrated because we're trying to save time. We're trying to make the most money that we can in a short period of time. We're trying to hustle. This is how we make our money. This is how we make our rent. So anything to save time is like a big deal. Like giving someone water is free labor, but it's necessary to humans to drink water while they're drinking. Mm -hmm. We get it. Um, But when you're in a high volume environment like I am, it gets very easy to get frustrated quick over little things like that. I could, my bones hurt. I work out a lot and I will bend over down to get your six Bud Lights and I stand back up and that's a bunch of bones cracking doing that. But then I turn around and give you them and you're like one more and I'm like, I have to do this one more time. I just got it all in one go. 
I get it. And it's easy to get frustrated that way because you're just like, I don't have time or this is annoying. But we have to just understand that like things don't work that fluidly in bars. So yeah, I mean, take a breath and and deal with it. We should be happy. It's just drinks. We're making money. Yeah, I remember you were saying like you have to remember that you're making a shit ton of money. Yeah, we're so. fortunate to be making this money. You know, but it, people don't get it. And also they're drunk. We're babysitting, like I said earlier. So therefore, we have to just be a little more patient. And I think that's very important. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I think that's it for this episode, right? Do I get a last notes? word? Yes. Yes, Jackie. My last word was going to be decentralize. Because mm. I think it's important to understand your privilege and make sure that you can make room for somebody else. But I'm listening to what you're saying right now, and I kind of think the word should be own shit. Because mm-hmm. when you have ownership, everything changes. Uh, so I hope that's something we can all move toward doing, like on whatever level it is, own it. If you don't own it, it owns you. Mm. That is true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. All right, I'm done. <laughs> well, one more thank you to you for being here. A pleasure. Thank this you. Over the top great. I went through all the roller coasters of emotions to today so. oh we had we had the feels we had all we the had feels. some feels for sure i was wondering i was like we feeling something right now because that's what i think is happening i'm a bit verklempt yeah yeah i um i think this is really important i think um i i'm it's it's really important for you to be here it's really important for you to um speak your truth and speak others and I encourage anyone who have who has felt connected to mm-hmm. possibly reach out to Jackie. Social medias. What's your social medias, Jackie? Uh, on it. on Instagram, it's the Liquitarian. L i q u o r t a r i a n. On Facebook, it's Jack from Brooklyn. He's in our Man Crush Monday post on our podcast Instagram at No Call No Show Pod this week. So if you do not know how to spell that, just head on over. <laughs> Easy peasy. Mash the link. There you go. Um, also, this is a fun, cute thing that's not really relevant. But me and Taylor are going to start bowling together. We decided. <laughs> what? So if anyone wants to come join us, we're going to just like go bowling once a week as a hobby. I'm up for that. Because we think we could be good. And we think that it's It's a cute thing, thing to, do. to do together. If anyone wants to join us, just hit us up. Yeah, let's find a pool table, shoot some pool. Oh, I'm my, so bad at that. My wrists are <laughs> fucked. Well, um, Your wrist is probably fucked from bowling, bowling. first and foremost. Yeah. My well, Look at my nails. You broke four, <laughs> like one too many nails. Mm. There's an acrylic just juggling around inside of the Excuse little... Excuse me, these are gel nails. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but yes, we're going to be start bowling. If you are interested in joining the league that we have not started, <laughs> um, please contact us. Uh, we're probably going to go to Brooklyn Bowl. Uh, very early and not drink. Yeah, just to like... Oh, you lost me. <laughs> um, you, can, you can drink. We're not going to judge you. We just we just want to perfect We're serious craft. about this bullshit, all right? Yeah. Um, anyway. I, I, yeah. bowl, I bowl better when I drink. I do most I think better I do too. Drink. Taylor does not. 
I watched her. That shit was dumb funny. <laughs> We're still laughing at the twerk. <laughs> I was trying to do anything. At the last minute, I said, let me just twerk and see if Taylor that Taylor did, a, like, the craziest twerk and then rolled a straight gutter ball, right? <laughs> <laughs> still um, laughing. Um, anyway, though, we love y'all. Thanks for listening. And own shit. Own and, shit. And, and don't forget when... Win, 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 win. <laughs> bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>